Welcome to the Grace to the City podcast, an outreach of Grace Baptist Church of Southwest Ranches, Florida. We want to be a church that changes the world. Come learn more about us by visiting www.gbcministry.org. Open up God's Word. I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to go to first, or excuse me, the Gospel of John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to go to John's Gospel this morning. And we're going to continue our sermon series on welcome to our world. I hope that you are, um, I don't know, this is a very busy week and a very important week for our church when it comes to reaching people. And really, there's a lot of families that are part of Grace Baptist Church that had first contact with us at that event in the last couple years. And so my heart for the church family is that you would pray, that you'd ask for God's power, ask God's blessing upon yourself and upon the event. And our job, more than anything, is just to just show the love of Jesus Christ to people. Uh, there's going to be people there that are kind of have a Christian background that maybe from other churches, but there will also be people that are lost, that are looking for hope, that are just looking for something fun for their family to do. And those people, those people lost, without hope are the people that we truly want to reach. And so I want to encourage you to be loving, be gracious, be kind, engage people, invite them, tell them how awesome your pastor is, all right? So no, okay, but, but you can do that, but we're, it, it'll be a great time. And uh, if you'd like to help out this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday especially, we're going to be working day and night uh, to prepare for our event. We're looking in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and I, I do want to just uh, briefly kind of review from last week. Last week we talked about Philippians 2, 5 through 8, where it said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And the Bible says he, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And that's the incarnation. The incarnation, it's a theological word, meaning the eternal Son of God took on human flesh. And it says that he, when he found himself hum, uh, obe- uh, in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the whole point of Christmas, really, why we have the manger is ultimately because we have the what at the top? The cross. Jesus Christ came to die for our sins. That's why he was born. And that is so true from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. It's not usually a, a, a Christmas passage that we read on Christmas Eve, but it explains Christmas. There's a beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. He should be crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Really, the truth of the beauty of Christmas is that when Jesus came to this earth, he came as the God-man. He went to the cross to, to die for my sins, for my death. And he went to the cross to die for your death. He did this for you. If you believe that, say amen. And think about the lengths that God went through to save you and I. It's beautiful. It's encouraging. Christmas really is God's Christmas gift to you as an individual. That's what Christmas is all about. 
You know, and my heart is over this Christmas season is to draw our attention, not just to the fun things connected with Christmas, but also the wonderful things, the beautiful things, the things of God, and to think about the lengths that God went through to save us. And today I want to look here in in the Gospel of John, chapter number one, and I, I want to go a little bit beyond talking about the incarnation, but I actually want to talk about the qualities of the baby in the manger. Who was he? Well, the Bible says here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the, was, the Word was God. That's another name for Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse number 3, it says, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then it says, the darkness, light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you fast forward with me to verse number 9, it says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. It says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It says, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. And it says, We beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the quality. The, it's like looking at a diamond. There's many beautiful qualities. And today we're going to look at this passage and just a few beautiful things about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who left heaven's throne to be born in a manger to ultimately die on the cross. Before I want to go any further, I do want to ask the Lord's blessing. I've been up since, oh, dark 30 this morning. I got up at four something, and, and usually when I wake up at four on a Sunday, I say, thank you, Jesus, a few more hours to sleep. So, but this morning, helping with that race, reaching people, got out of bed, and my brain's a little foggy, just a little foggy like yours this morning. So I want to ask God's blessing to help me preach this in the way that it deserves to be preached. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to, to teach your word and preach your word to your people. And Lord, I pray that you help me when I'm weak, you are strong. Lord, help me to focus, help me to be sharp in my mind. I pray that my heart will be in tune with exactly what, what you want to say. Lord, help me to communicate your word to your people. Pray for anybody here that does not know you. I pray that today that they'll see the seriousness of the decision that they must make. They ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Bible says here that in the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Do you believe that? He is the eternal Son of God. Uh, that, that is really what the Word of God here is teaching about Jesus. It being in the beginning, He was the Word. He was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Here's something very interesting. Verse number 3, it says, All things were made by Him. All right, we know Genesis 1.1. If you know it, quote it with me. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We, we, there wasn't an explosion that we just evolved from. We were created by God directly. The Bible here says all things were created by him. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. We understand God is, is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who actually was the one in the trinity that was the actual creator of the universe. Right here in John chapter 1, verse number 1, it says the creator is Jesus Christ. 
All things were made by him. There was not anything made that was made. What does that mean? That means nothing, not one thing came into existence without Jesus Christ. You exist because of Jesus. Can we say that together? I exist because of Jesus. Ready? I exist because of Jesus. The one that created you died for you. Think about that. We, we sometimes think God and we, we no, 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 like in, in just kind of this, uh, this person way off there. But Jesus Christ, the one that was born in that manger, left heaven's throne, the eternal son of God, to be born in that manger. That baby born in the manger made you. How do we wrap our mind around that? I don't know. But the Bible says it, and I believe that. I believe that. The creator is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 1, verse number 16, it says, all things were created by him. That's speaking about Jesus. All things were created by him and for him. That means that you and I were not created for ourselves to, to fulfill our desires. We were created for Jesus Christ. We were created to, to bring glory to him. It says he is before all things. That means he, is, he, he, he exists, pre-existed all of creation. And by him, all things consist. To understand that the thing, the person, the power that holds our universe together, that holds the, the, the entire creation, all of nature, all of matter, what holds it together is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that. He, that baby born in that manger, is the one that holds you together even currently. Aren't you glad that Jesus is alive? All right, Think about that. If he was dead, we'd be gone. But understand that the Creator, Jesus Christ, is the Creator. He's the Savior. He's the, the, the controller of the universe. Verse number 4, it says, in Him. It doesn't just go with, with, with Him being the Creator, the sustainer of the universe. In Him was life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the life. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. What does that mean? He's talking about light. He's talking about light. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus Christ is the, the Word of God, the Son of God, the expression of God. It's kind of like he's the light of God. He uses that picture in the Word of God. He was a light shining into the darkness, but it says the darkness comprehended it not. When you don't comprehend light, you are called what? Blind. And what Jesus did was he entered this world and shined the light of truth and of God and of who he is, and the world was blind. Our world is still blind to Jesus Christ. Our world looks at Jesus Christ and goes, that candy cane looks like a J in the school, right? You heard a principal this week in New York and said, we are banning candy canes because Jesus is a threat. Understand that our world is a blind world. Jesus Christ is not a threat. He is the Savior. Do you believe that? All right. He's the Savior, the Creator, the Redeemer of the universe. This world is blind. It's very sad here in verse number 9. It says that was the true light. Jesus was the true light 
which lighteth every man that comes into the world. Everybody has been touched by God. And to understand that he entered his world, it says that he was in the world, his world, the world that he created, the one that he holds together, the one that he puts into operation. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He entered his creation, in the world did not know him. <clears throat> the next verse says he came unto his own. He went to his own people, the Jewish people, the, the people of God. And what happened was he went to them and they, they were prepared for him to come, but they chose to be blind. The Bible here says he came to his own and his own received him not. That means this, that they did not want him. Jesus Christ came to people that did not want Him. Our world is continually full of people that do not want Jesus Christ. I remember for the first 17 years of my life that I did not want Jesus Christ. Yes, I wanted religion. Yes, I wanted the benefits of, of, of God. But I did not want Jesus Christ personally. But I thank God for verse number 12. It here says, But at many as received him, to those that have accepted him, that desired him, that wanted him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I remember I became a believer in Jesus Christ, trusting that he died for me on the cross. He saved my soul. I received him. He did something beautiful, did something powerful. We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but we were born of God. We are are children of God. If you're a believer, if you've received Christ as your Savior, if you're a child of God this morning, say amen. Understand that Jesus Christ did this for us. He's done something amazing. But I do want to focus in verse number 14. The Bible says the Word was made flesh and He dwelt among us. This is the quality of God's Son. This is the, a summary of the incarnation, what that meant when Jesus Christ came to this earth. What was John saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? This Word, this Son of God who, who came, who was God, who was born in human flesh, He was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, God's Son, moved into the neighborhood. He knows what it's like. Emmanuel means God with us. Remember last week we talked about this world. You could think of it, it's like the world was this beautiful, perfect place. God said, I made it and it was good. And it's like a, a beautiful, brand new Bentley. Beautiful car. I, I, the other day I was in my Honda Accord next to a Lamborghini with my boys. And I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rev my little four-cylinder engine and see what happens. And I, I, he, he won, definitely, on the race. But imagine him taking off in that beautiful Lamborghini and losing control and just wrapping it around one of those cement uh, telephone poles and destroying it. That's what happened to this world. God made it perfect, but it was corrupted by sin. And Jesus Christ entered that world. He entered a broken world. Why? Because he loved us. So he could be our savior. The Bible says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The, Jesus Christ is shining light. And, he, and, and these people, they were not blind. They did not reject Jesus. They, did, they wanted Jesus Christ. And we looked and we saw. We saw His light. We beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And what's His description? He's full of grace. He's full of truth. 
What does that mean? Well, I want you to jump with me over to Hebrews chapter 1. Can you go with me to Hebrews chapter 1? I think it's on the next slide so you can see where we're going. Hebrews chapter number 1. It says here in verse number 1, Hebrews, that's a coffee uh, maker's favorite uh, chapter of the Bible. Hebrews. All right, that's a terrible joke. All right, Hebrews Hebrews chapter 1, you can, you can use that joke at work this week, then they'll love it. All right, here you go. Hebrews chapter 1, <clears throat> speaking about the qualities of Jesus, it says, God who at sundry times or many different times, past times, and in diverse manners, many different ways, he spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And it says, in these last days he's spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, that's authority, by whom he also made the worlds. So the creator, again, is Jesus Christ. It says, who, this is Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, his brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It's another way of saying we beheld his glory as the glory of, 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 of God the Father. What does that mean? It's the brightness of His glory. It literally means that, that, that Jesus Christ, you could think, radiates God's glory. We, we're all, you know, we understand what radiation is. If there was a, a, a thing of uranium or plutonium here, the radiation, what would be given off by that? You understand radiation by when you, when you flick on a, a, a Christmas light. Right? This Christmas light, these Christmas lights, they're radiating light. Jesus Christ, he, He's radiating. He's giving forth, brightly shining like a light, the glory of God. What God's beauty and how wonderful God is. And, and all those beautiful things about God. That's when we look at Jesus, you, you see something beautiful. The glory of God. It here says the expressed image of of his person, Jesus Christ. Who, who is he? He's the creator. But also he, he radiates who God is. He communicates. He shines forth what God is like. We can understand who God is because Jesus Christ shines that. He's the express image. What does that mean? He perfectly, perfectly mirrors who God the Father is and who God the Holy Spirit is. He perfectly shines Fourth, what God is like. He perfectly represents who God is in his being. So when you see Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see God. People go wonder, I wonder what God thinks about this and how God would interact with this and what God would think about that or what God would... No, 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 we don't have to ask that. All we got to do is open our Bibles. And all God's people said... Amen. We, we, we wonder, but we're blind to what the Scripture says. Jesus Christ is the exact expression of who God is like. What, what, what is He like? What does He think? He is the exact expression. Jesus Christ is light, and Jesus Christ's light is absolutely beautiful. When you see Jesus walking on this earth in the Gospels, in that, that record that the Holy Spirit has given us, you see the, the, the bright and clearly, brightly and clearly who God is, what God is exactly like. That's who Jesus is. Now I've got to go with you back with me to, to, to John chapter 1, verse number 14, because this is what Jesus is like. They, came, they said we beheld his glory. The word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And then they say this. He was full of two things. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. So what is God like? God, we can know through Jesus Christ that God is full of grace and God is full of truth. And to understand that if one of those was unbalanced, it would be horrible. It would be terrifying. It would, be, uh, it, it would just not work. But God is perfect. God is perfectly gracious. He is perfectly truthful. God is full of unconditional grace. And He's full of uncompromising truth. The ultimate question though, when God would enter the world and where the Jesus Christ would interact with us, the ultimate question to ask ourselves is this. What would God do when he came into contact with my sin? How would God treat me? Because God is holy. If you believe God is holy, say amen, right? God is holy. God is perfect. God is so above creation. The Bible says that God is so holy, he can't even look at sin. And how, how would that holy God interact with me when I came into contact, when he came into contact? Really, it should be terrifying. Because God is uncompromisingly true. But also, balance with that, God is unconditionally gracious. And all God's people said, Amen. He's, uncon- he's, he's unconditionally gracious. What does God do when he comes into contact with my sin, with your sin? we got to look at the Gospels. I've got three places that I want you to turn to really encourage you and show you what God's heart is. My biggest problem is my sin. My biggest problem is my sin. What is God going to do when he comes into contact with my sin? That's your biggest problem. You may have a lot of problems. If you've got problems, raise your hand. All right, don't point at them. All right, but like... We got problems, but our biggest problem is our sin. What's God going to do when he comes into contact? Let's look at it. Go with me to Mark. Go with me to Mark. We're looking at two places in Mark. Mark chapter 1. This is, sin ruins us. Sin corrupts us. There is no better picture and symbol in the Bible of sin than of the disease of leprosy. Leprosy was an ancient disease that, that people would get. In, in Mark chapter 1 verse 40, there's an account where, where this, when you would get leprosy, you would become decomposing. There was no cure. You, you basically look like a, a zombie from the walking dead. You could think of it like that. It was disgusting. You could have no physical contact with another human being. You, if you contracted leprosy, you were cast out of your family for, for their safety. It was highly contagious. It was highly corrupting. It was disgusting. It was, it was, you were just, just, you were living dead when you had leprosy. And understand here, in the Bible, leprosy is a symbol and it's a picture of the corruption of sin in our hearts. You can look good on the outside, but you may have a leper's heart. I had a leper's heart inside of me. Corrupt, falling apart. But what did happen when Jesus Christ, the expression of God, the Son of God, the God-man, what did he do when he came into contact with somebody so corrupt? It says there came a leper in verse number 40. Not the leopard, but a leper. It says there came a leper to him, beseeching him, begging him, begging him kneeling down to him and saying, if you will, if you will, Jesus, you can make me what? Clean. Jesus, if you want to, 
you can make me clean. He wanted to be clean. He, had, he couldn't clean himself up. He was doomed. He had no hope. Somebody like this, how does God react? The Bible says Jesus moved with what? Compassion. He moved with compassion. You see that unconditionally gracious God. What does he do when he comes into contact with my sin? He's moved with compassion. It says he put forth his hand and he touched him. You know, really the truth is that man has, was not touched by another human being for years and years. And Jesus Christ was not disgusted by him. He was not scared of him. He reached out and he touched him. Why? Because he loved him. Because he was God. Because his sin was not a big deal to Jesus Christ. It was not, it was not a threat to Jesus Christ. To understand he was moved with compassion, he put forth his hand, he touched him, he said unto him, I will be thou clean. Man, I remember a little bit before I got saved, I kept going to God and wanting him to save me. And I wasn't sure that God wanted to save me. I kind of felt that I wanted to be saved more than God wanted to save me. You ever th remember thinking that? I remember thinking, I am so sinful, why would God ever, ever want to save me? But there's a verse in the Bible, the Bible always messes up our thinking, okay? We may think it's one way, but the Bible says the right way. The Bible says this, that if any man comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. If you come to Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, you come to him sincerely, even with really bad, broken faith. Maybe your repentance towards him is just really just in a bad quality, but it's still real. He's not going to cast you out. He's not going to turn you away. Maybe you say, Pastor Jack, I didn't cry enough when I got saved. I didn't believe enough. I didn't repent enough. I, I, I didn't enough, enough. Listen, Jesus is your enough. If you believe, do you believe that? Jesus is your sufficiency. Oh, that helped me out so much. Jesus Christ was not rejecting this person. You may be disgusting inside. Jesus Christ will not turn you away. Jesus Christ will make you clean. I hope you know that. I hope that you've experienced that. What did Jesus do with that person that was disgustingly corrupt? He cleaned him, loved him, cleansed him, restored him, used him. It says he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. He said, I want you to tell people, all right, say nothing to any man, all right, but show yourself to the priest. And show what great things God has done for you. That's what he did. i got to show you. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. Just a few pages over. You may be disgusting. Jesus Christ, that's not, that's, that's not a big deal for Jesus. Not that big of a deal. Mark chapter number 5, verse number 1. It says, they came over unto the country on the other side of the sea. And to the country of the Gadarenes. I don't know. That was a little neighborhood. There was immediately out of the ship they came. And there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This guy was possessed by Satan. This guy was demonically possessed. It says that, that he lived in the tombs. He had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. So people, he was so out of control, they would try to wrap him with ropes, and he was so possessed that he'd break those ropes. They would try to chain him down, and he was so out of control that he would break those chains. You know, ever know somebody out of control? You, you ever been out of control that nothing could stop you? And you just wanted your sin more than anything? This was this person. Out of control. He was bound, in verse 4, with fetters and chains often. Sin brings chains. 
And the chains were plucked asunder by him. He just ripped them apart. The fetters, the shackles, they were broken in pieces. Nor could any man tame him. Untamable. Always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. He was what? What does it say? Crying. He was miserable. He was crying out in pain. He was cutting himself with stones. We see an epidemic of people that are cutting themselves. Why are they doing that? They're so full of pain. They're, so, they're trying to actually relieve that pain. That's how bad of a position this man was in. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. What does that mean? For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. This man was possessed. This guy was the worst case scenario that you would ever walk across. It says, Jesus said, what is thy name? He answered and saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. He didn't have one demon in him. He had a bunch of them. He had a whole army in him. It says, he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. There was a, a nigh unto the mountains, a great herd of swine, pigs feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. See, they do possess animals. I knew my old dog was possessed by the devil. All right, so knew it. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leaves to get out. The unclean spirits went out and entered in the swine. The herd ran violently down to the steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. They that fed the swine, the pigs, they ran off, told it to the city and the country, and they, they went out to see what, what it was done. So imagine this horrific scene. And they come to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil that had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind, and they were all what? Afraid. They saw something powerful. They, they saw something miraculous. They saw what the power of Jesus can do. Jesus Christ, when this person was completely out of control, when he came into contact with God, God was more powerful. Do you believe that? Remember when you were out of control? You ever get out of control? Jesus Christ can answer that. Jesus Christ is the solution to that. I need you to understand that, that we're going to move along a little bit, but the reality is this, that Jesus Christ is full of grace. He was full of grace and truth. He went to those people, and He was their solution. Jesus Christ is not a threat. He's the solution to this world. He's the solution to your problem. Jesus Christ was full of grace, but He was also was full of truth. What does that mean? What The question is that Jesus Christ, how could that disgusting human being full of leprosy, that not be a big deal to God? How could that maniac that was out of control, why, why, why could he just re, re, restore him? Why did Jesus go to the woman taken in the act of adultery in that hurtful, horrible moment that, that she was pulled away and Jesus came to her and said, and said I, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. Why could Jesus do that? Why could Jesus do that? He was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. Jesus Christ is uncompromising truth. Wait a second. It looks like Jesus compromised no. You see, the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, mercy and grace, they kiss one another. Okay? There's something beautiful about Jesus Christ. Why is he full of grace and truth? What would God do when he came into contact with my sin? 
What would God do when he comes into contact with your sin? He could have compassion. He could have healing. He could have forgiveness. Why? How could God do that? Because he was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. The reality is this, that Jesus Christ would take the place of the sinner. Jesus Christ himself would die for that maniac's sins. He would die for that leper's sins. He would die for your sins. He would die for my sins. That's the whole point. That Jesus Christ came to this earth to die full of grace, full of truth. Why could he show that? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 that says Jesus himself bare or carried our sins in his own body on the tree. When Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross, he had my sins on him. And he had your sins on him. And he was paying for those in full. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, it says that, that God commendeth or demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I deserve to die, but God put his son in the place of me. Because he loved me, he loved you. The Bible says that God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. It goes on, it says that, that, that he, would, he would purge our sins completely, once and for all, by His sacrifice on the cross. He is the sufficient Savior. Do you believe that? He's full of truth. He could be un unconditionally gracious because he paid the price for those sins with his un un unwavering truth. He is our sufficient Savior. I've got to go back with you to John chapter 1, verse number 14 again. And I've got to show you this one more thing before we're done. But to understand that he was full of grace. He was full of truth. That's beautiful. That grace and truth that wasn't just 2,000 years ago. That's grace and truth in my life and in your life. He is full of grace and full of truth to us. He doesn't compromise. He doesn't go, oh, it's no big deal. Sin is a huge deal to God. What he does, he doesn't just go, oh, no big deal, it's okay. No, what Jesus did was he fully paid for those sins. He paid the punishment. He paid the price in uncompromisingly true ways. The Bible here says this, though. And it says here that the, he was full of grace and truth. Go back with me two verses to verse number 11. It says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Then it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There is an ultimate choice that every one of us need to make. It's an ultimate choice that every one of us need to make, that we are responsible before us and God in a private, personal manner. That each one of us are responsible to God. The Bible says the people in Isaiah 9-6 that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the, in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And what that means is that God's light, the truth of Jesus Christ, is shining to us. And we, we see that. We hear the gospel. We hear that week in, week out. And the truth is that, that it's one thing for the light to shine. It's another thing for us to open our eyes and see it. You see, what we do is, Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light. Why do men get the light of God shine to them? Why do you and I get the light shine to us? Why did it take 17 years for me to open my eyes? Well, it's because I loved darkness. 
It's a moral choice that every one of us needs to make. Are we going to open our eyes and see who Jesus is? Or are we going to be blind to him? Are we going to go on and, and be blind in our religion and our attending of Grace Baptist Church and, 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 and believing in the existence of God and listening to Christian radio and kind of liking the whole Christian thing? And I can still be blind to Jesus Christ. There has to be a time where we've received him, where we've believed on him. Jesus said, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't mean those that, that, un, that, that know about him, those that go to his house. It's those that, that, have, that have said, I believe, I stake my eternal soul on Jesus Christ, that he died for me, was buried, rose again, that I've opened my eyes, that I've stopped going into my darkness, and I've turned to his glorious light to be saved. And that question, that decision between darkness and light, that is something that every single one of us make. We're the smallest child in this building to the oldest person in this room. To understand that that decision, what we are to do with Jesus Christ, there's nothing more important. There's nothing greater than what are we going to do with Christ? Are we going to be blind to Him? Are we going to open our eyes and believe on Him? Receive Him as our Savior? My heart for you this morning is to understand that God loves you and loves me. And He took care of our sins on His cross. Do you believe that? He took care of our sins in a fully uncompromisingly truthful way. Every last bit of it was suffered for. Every last bit of it was paid for. But we have to make that choice. Are we going to love darkness and keep rejecting Him? Or are we going to open our eyes by the grace of God and get a good look at Jesus Christ and believe on Him as our Savior? I'll tell you this, you open your eyes in Him, you're going to see something beautiful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this audio ministry of Grace Baptist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit www.gbcministry.org. Blessings.